It's a good thing Rob was sick or we would have been here four and a half hours today because he's pretty fired up about Father's Day. And actually, we're, we're going to take a look at fathers today. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to give you guys, men, a heads up. If you've been uh, fathering for the, if you've been a dad for longer than 20 years, I want you to think about something that God has taught you today or he's taught you in the last 20 years or 30 years or in my case 40 years and I want you to share it with us at the end of the service today. So if you've been a dad and I've already lined up a couple guys to get us rolling when we get there. So at the end of the message today I'm going to have guys who are dads who've learned things that God has taught you to share with us what one thing that God has taught you. And I have a stopwatch, and so you'll have two minutes to share, and at the end of two minutes, you're out the back. Um, so we'll, what we want to do, though, is look at, for a lot of people, Father's Day is not that great of a day. I was in a church, Hope Chapel, that we were going to, and the pastor was preaching, and about halfway through, he wasn't even halfway through. He was probably a third of the way through. He stopped. And he was looking out at the people and he was saying, for a lot of you guys, this message is a hard one, isn't it? And he goes, there was probably 2,000 people there. And he said, for those of you guys who struggled with your dad, stand up. And literally two-thirds of the people in the church stood up. Now for me, that was a shocker. Um, everything that I know how to do that's worthwhile, most things, I learned from my dad. I learned to surf with my dad. I learned to build houses with my dad. I learned to play baseball with my dad. I learned how to work with my dad. And just about everything that I, that's useful that I can do, I learned from my dad. And so for me to be in a church and watch that many people stand up was like, Wow. My family was like the Leave It to Beaver family. And, and, you know, now, when you think of all the shows, when I was a kid, think about, you guys are old like me, think about the shows that we watched. Things like Bonanza. It had Ben Cartwright. He was like wise, you know, he understood. There was Father Knows Best. All these shows with, there was the Beavers, you know, with Mr. Beaver, or I don't even remember his name, but he was a... Ward Cleaver, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't look old enough to know that, Rob. Uh, but all the old, you know, when you look at those shows, the men were wise. Now you have Bart Simpson, you know. And, and, you, and every time you see them portray a man, he's usually um, not two together, you know, and he's not the wise one. My wife uh, talked me into watching a series that we've been watching, Downtown Abbey. And I was saying to her, you notice everybody in the show that you like is a woman. You know, they portray the women. They're all the smart ones. You know, they have this woman who's a servant in the house, and everybody comes to her for advice, you know. And, and so the women are all the smart ones. And so in the world that we live in today, men are offer, often portrayed as confused, um, you know, like, well, 
since we're on bad jokes and they say father, uh, dads tell bad jokes, I'm going to tell you a bad joke. There were all these guys in heaven and they were lined up and there were two lines and there was a line uh, that said henpecked and a line that said not henpecked. And all these big old burly guys were over in this line that said henpecked. And there was one little skinny guy standing over in the line that said not henpecked. And one of the guys, the guys in the henpecked line are standing over there and they're talking to each other. And they're going, what do you think that guy's doing over there? One guy says, I don't know, but I'm going to go ask him. So the guy walks over to the guy in the not henpecked line and he said, what are you doing over here? And the guy said, I don't know. My wife told me to stand here. And that's, that's kind of how men are portrayed now. You know, that's just kind of how we're looked at. And yet that is not how God looks at us. Not in any way. And it makes me feel sad when I look at the generation of boys in that 16 to 30 age group. You guys know about this age group, 16 to 30? Unemployed, bunches of them. Living at home, bunches of them. And when you, s- well you have to ask why. You know, wh- what's happening to our young men? What's going on? There was a guy who wrote a book, and in it he came up with some reasons why he said that's happening to young men. But it's pretty easy to see what's happening, isn't it, in our society? is that we've confused the roles. And a long time ago, when I grew up, it was pretty easy to figure out what you were. Um, You know, there was no question about it. And if I was confused about something, my dad would straighten me out on it pretty quick. Um, I didn't have a lot of time. (laughs) On Sundays, if my dad, my dad was in framing, and if he said, come on, we're going to go lay out the lines for work tomorrow, it wasn't like I would say to him, ah, dad, I'm not really feeling it today. You did, (laughs) that (laughs) that wasn't something I said to my dad. (laughs) You didn't say that. And so, have you ever thought about famous dadisms that came from a long time ago? Um, I I just wrote a few down. Um, With shopping with my dad, there was things that you did. It was called get in, get out. Um, Putting something together, when he was putting something together, he would say this, I don't need to read the directions. I know how it goes. (laughs) Getting lost while driving, said, I don't need to talk to anybody. I know where I'm going, even though he was lost on crying you better stop crying or i'll give you something to cry about (laughs) when you're having an argument with your brothers and sisters in the back seat of the car don't make me turn this car around uh when (laughs) when my grandson when my son was acting up his grandson payback time Um, and so there was a certain air when you grew up when i grew up Um, there was a certain thing that you knew about men. And that was when, uh, for me, if my mom said, when your dad gets home, you're getting it. (laughs) I knew I was in deep trouble. (laughs) Because when when he got home, I knew that um, he was going to deal with me. And, And nowadays, men have lost their way. We haven't really clearly marked the trail anymore. And so men 
don't know how to follow that trail. Young men are confused. They don't know how to mark the, how the trail. Where's the trail? Have you ever tried to follow a trail up in our mountains when it snowed about three feet? You get on a trail that you think you know, and you start hiking, and then in about 15 minutes, you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure where I am. Have you ever done that? All you got to do is get off the game trail, right? I was in Yakutat, Alaska about three weeks ago, and I was at a river called the Sea Tuck River. It's one of the best steelhead, steelheading rivers in the United States. And you could walk up two miles and fish, and there was a trail that was rock, and it was rocked perfectly. And so you could follow that trail, but a mile, two miles up, you had to, that trail ended, and so you got off that trail, and there were just game trails. And I was like, I have to walk up a mile and a half to get to the next place I can fish because that mile and a half of the river was um, closed to fishing. So I started walking up on game trails. And have you ever been out on a game trail where whatever, a bear or whatever was on that trail, all of a sudden they stopped. And they, they just stopped going. And you have to make your own trail. And I was, have you ever tried making your own trail through heavy brush? I was making my way through this game trail, and after I'd been walking for about 15 minutes, I, I went like this. Uh-oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure where the river is. <laughs> and where my car is, my, I have no clue. And so I had to, I did what you would do. I just retraced my steps because I had made a trail to get back to the place where I knew where I was. Well, we have a lot of young guys who they don't have a trail to follow anymore. The trail's not there. And yet God has left us an incredible trail to follow. And so today, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you kind of what we're going to do. Um, we're, I I'm going to read you a poem called Maggie's Poem. And then we're going to go to Luke 15, 11 through 32. And we're going to take a look at the perfect dad. I call that the perfect dad parable. Um, some people call it the prodigal child. Um, but I call it the perfect dad because that prodigal son had it. When Jesus told the story, our focus is usually on the son. But the dad was incredible. And through reading that story, we see what a perfect dad is like. Now, I don't know about you. I wasn't perfect. I made lots of mistakes. I've been a dad for 40 years, and I'm still trying to work that out. Um, and for you young dads, I'm just letting you know it's not going to get easier. Um, parenting when your kids are small, I thought that was pretty easy. Try parenting them when they're bigger than you, um, when they're older than you. I mean, not older than you, when they're bigger and stronger than you, when they do things better than you do things in some ways. And now you're still parenting them. Then it really uh, becomes something where you become dependent on Christ to teach you how to parent. But for you guys, for all you men, I want you to know this. I really feel for all of us guys. Um, 
I grew up in a home with three, I have three sisters. And, and in my home, I was kind of the spoiled one. Uh, my sisters, my mom and dad, uh, they all kind of focused on me. And I, I was kind of spoiled. <laughs> when I look back, I go, now my dad wouldn't only let that go so far. Um, he made sure that that spoiling didn't go very far. But when I think of us men, I, I think of the fact that God has put us in a role where he's asked us to do something and we're not totally equipped to do it, are we? Not to be the perfect dad that he wants us to be. Have you ever thought about God's goal for us? In um, Matthew chapter 15, verse 48, he says, I want you to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Whoa. He wants us to be perfect as he is perfect. And when I was raising my, when our kids were young, I was anything but perfect. And I used to always read that and say, Lord, how can I do that? How could I be perfect? And so the Lord uh, blessed me with a, a really fantastic wife uh, who was always there, always supporting when I would do things that maybe was a little over the top. Like my dad was a pretty strict disciplinarian. And I had one son, Steve, who was obedient as anything. If I looked at him crosswise, he would stop what he was doing and go, what, Dad? And, and I didn't hardly ever have to discipline him. And I had another son, Ryan, who if you said to him, Ryan, we're going to stand right here and we're not going to jump off this stage, he would jump off the stage right away. And then look at you like, what are you going to do about it? And when you'd spank him, he would look at you and go, that didn't even hurt. Have you had one of those? That's why James Dobson wrote the book, The Strong-Willed Child. <laughs> and that's why he stole so many books. But I want to read this. Uh, this is a poem wrote, written by a teenage girl in Chicago. And this is what it says. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind, maybe he is gentle too. Maybe he, is, he isn't someone who laughs when I hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my question and you don't laugh, I think, what if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflict and scars that you've suffered from the past, I think maybe I'm just a regular person instead of a bad girl who deserves abuse. If you, if you care, I think maybe he cares. And then there's the flame of hope that burns inside me for a while. I'm afraid to breathe because it might go out. And I will once again have nothing but a God who mocks and laughs and ignores me. Do you know, do you understand that your words are his words? Your face, his face, to someone like me. Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please, let this be real, please. Do you know, 
do you understand who you are? And that poem was written by a young girl in Chicago. And when, when I first read it, I thought, you know, that it is really a plea for kids to know that we are who we say we are. When I taught at the high school, um, I used to teach kids that it, it wasn't really good for them to drink alcohol and to do drugs and to smoke cigarettes. And so when I went to uh, weddings where my family was, people in my family were getting married and they had drinks, I didn't drink. Um, and I didn't take drugs and I didn't smoke because I was a teacher telling kids, and I'm sure for Doug it was just like this for him, that when you're a teacher and you're teaching kids and you're saying that you shouldn't be doing this, that you feel that responsibility to be that model. And that's what this poem was about. It's about all of us are a model for our kids and that we need to be real with who we are and that they need to know that who we are is what we say we are. And there's only one way to really do that. Have you ever thought about what does it mean for us to be real with our kids? Any of you guys listen to Focus on the Family or a Family Talk? I was listening to, by the way, some of the things that I'm going to say, I'm going to give the men a list of uh, things that makes us heroes to our kids. And if you think that I'm pulling one out and pointing it at you, I'm not. Uh, some of these you might go, how does he know? Or, you know, how did he know this about me? I, I don't know anything about anybody in here. So I'm not pointing anything at anybody. Um, but what I want us to do is know that every one of us can be a hero to our kids. Uh, Jesse got up here and obviously shared about her dad in a way that showed that her dad was her hero. And that's what's supposed to happen. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I've been a bum and a hero all in the same day. Um, <laughs> and so, but there are things that we can do that make, will make us heroes with our kids. So what I want to do is read this section in Luke to you. And it starts in Luke chapter 11. And this is the way I want you to listen to it. Yeah, it's what? It's, yeah, I'm sorry, Rob. It's chapter 15, verse 11. And we're going to read to the end to verse 32. And this is how I want you to listen to this as I read it to you. What characteristics made this father a perfect father? Jesus is telling this story and he's telling us about the prodigal child. But there is a lot in here about the father. And so this time, listen to this story from the point of view of the father. See what traits the father had that made him such a great father. Because then I'm going to ask you questions about it. Okay? And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. 
And he went and, a, and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed his swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving, him anything, was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in the sight and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And when they began to be merry, now his older son was in the field. When he, when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants to begin inquiring what things might be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said, look to his but he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, My child, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. What do you see there? What about the father? Somebody tell me something. What about the father? What trait did he have? What traits did he have? He had forgiveness. He had love. Yeah, he seemed to be totally unbiased towards his children. What else? He was wise. He had faith. Okay, I want to tell you some of the things. I've been looking at this story for a long time. And I, I want to tell you a few things I notice about this father. This father represents our heavenly father, doesn't he? I want you to think about this. Notice what happened when the one son said he wanted his inheritance. If you read in Deuteronomy, you know that the oldest son gets double what the first son, what the, a younger son would get. Did, did you notice what it said about what he did with both of his sons? It said he divided his wealth. It means he had given the other son his part of his inheritance then. And so even though that other son had his part of his inheritance, he's upset 
about him celebrating his brother. And notice what the father does to him. He leaves the party and he goes to talk to his other son. He extends grace. That's one thing we know about fathers who are heroes to their children. They extend grace to their kids. Why does that matter? Because we all blow it. We all are sinners. And so here you have a father that extends grace to the son who is unhappy that his younger brother has come back and come back to his father. Now, a lot of fathers would be angry. Instead of being angry, he goes out to love on that other son. And then he extends grace to that son, right? How does God deal with us? Same way. He extends grace to us every day. And he's, and he's never um, crushing us. He's always loving us with compassion. What else about that father do you see? Notice this, and this is something that fathers could really learn. When that younger son went off, did the father go chasing after him? He didn't. Sometimes we make a mistake in that. Sometimes our kids are going to go off and they're going to do something that they have to do. And when I taught at Bellevue Christian School, I called it the desert walk. Sometimes your kids have to go on a desert walk. And that's what this prodigal was doing. And our tendency is to chase after them and to rescue them. Our Heavenly Father doesn't do that with us. If you want to go on a desert walk, he lets you, doesn't he? He could chase us down, but he doesn't. He lets us go and lets us find out, okay? What else do you see in the story about this father? He didn't chase his son. And then when his son came back, what was his response? He ran to meet his son. So here, here's another thing that he was looking for. His father had faith that his son would come back. He was there looking for him. His father trusted God. He trusted him with his children. Isn't that one of the hardest things for us as dads to trust? I just want to control all that. But a good dad has faith, and he has faith in the God above. And his children get to see that, that he will live by faith and not by sight. Because that's a model that kids see. Do you know how kids see that? Um, when Susan and I, I was teaching at Bellevue Christian School, and I was making about $6,000 a year. And, and we had three kids. And we had a house mortgage that cost about, our house mortgage was $363. I remember the exact amount. Because I got paid by the time they took taxes out, $485 a month. And when I first went to get that job, the guy who was hiring me was a missionary who was the last guy out of China during the Boxer Rebellion. And when Al hired me, he said, if you do not have enough faith to work here, don't sign this contract because you're going to have to walk by faith in order to teach at this school. And I remember going home and thinking to myself, whoa, I don't know if I want that job. I don't know if I can live like that. But then I remember, I remembered that my kids were little. 
and that they were going to get to watch us live like that. I had a choice. I could go back into construction and make a lot more money or I could teach at the Christian school and serve the Lord there and coach and not make much money. And I thought, I want my kids to see us living by faith. And I had a wife who was great at doing that. And during that period of time, we had so many blessings. People gave us cars. People gave us money. People gave us food. You know what? Now that I don't, that I, my income is totally different than that, I don't get cars and food and money. Because God doesn't need it to provide it to me. I'm provi providing it for myself. But my kids got to grow up in an environment of watching that and realizing that even though their dad, me, was poor, they were not poor. Because God continually provided for us in ways that they could see. So this, this, this father was living by faith. He was looking for his son to come when his son was gone. And that's how he saw him come from a long way off. Because he was watching. So what else does that tell you about that father? The fact that he was waiting for his son. What else does that tell you? He had mercy and compassion. He had both mercy and compassion. And fathers, we need mercy and compassion. I don't know that we come by com compassion uh, naturally. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> my son Ryan was riding a bike and he was riding the bike at barefoot. He has, he, Ryan was always doing crazy stuff and he, he had these things on his spokes or on his wheel that came out that you could put your feet on and do tricks or something. And he, he's pedaling down the street fast. Ryan was always going fast. And he put his, his foot slipped off and went into the spoke. It flipped him over the front of the bike. He smacked on the ground. And his foot had this giant knot in it. And he came, when, I, when we got him, uh, Sue's like, I think we should take him to the doctor. And I was looking, going, oh, he'll be okay. <laughs> he'll be fine. <laughs> you know, so we don't come by compassion naturally. Um, it comes to us later. Um, as we get old and creaky, we become more compassionate. But this father had compassion on his son. And so um, compassion is something that comes from the Lord, right? We get compassion sometimes because we've gone through something just like what other people are going through. And when we've gone through something like what other people are going through, we go, oh man, I have compassion on that, right? Jesse's talking about having flat tires, car trouble. Anybody who's driven a car can relate to car trouble. We can all go, oh, I know how she's feeling with that. As soon as your car blows up, you're like, oh no, what am I going to do here? Um, so he had compassion. What I want to do now is um, I want to share with you 10 things that I wrote down, traits uh, that are traits that I think lead to men being godly, if I can find them. And then I'm going to have you guys, uh, we're going to start with you, Joe, um, sharing something that God has 
taught you when you were fathering, okay? Um, the perfect dad, you know, when I was looking at traits that um, make perfect dads, I, I was thinking about uh, my own dad. And, and so, but I was thinking about myself as well. But if, if you hear a trait in here and you go, um, I don't like that one, you don't have to, uh, you, wise, this is where you write them down and you give them to your husband later. Um, because I know they, w they wouldn't write them down, okay? Uh, but if you want if a trait that makes you a hero to your kids, if dads are heroes when they know who and what they believe in, dads are heroes when they practice what they believe, even if it goes against the grain of their culture. Dads are heroes when they're when they are willing to see to it that the values that they believe that are biblical are upheld in their families. Dads are heroes, um, not just on Sundays, but seven days a week. Dads are heroes when they are servants in their families and in their church. Dads are heroes when they're wise enough to be able to be taught by others. Dads are heroes when they are not only listened to the word, but they are obedient to the word. This is a tough one. Dads are heroes when they're willing to look at themselves when their kids are struggling and ask themselves hard questions like, what do I do secretly that may be providing Satan access to my family? On Family Talk, they had a woman who was a counselor sharing with the family, the family came, the mom dad came to see her because their son was having a really hard time. And she ended up telling him, I'll, I'll counsel with him after I talk with you guys for about five different sessions. Because I think the problem is within the family. And sometimes we're afraid to admit. And I, I've taught long enough to know that sometimes kids just make bad choices. And it doesn't have to do with you and what you're doing. But I do know that dads sometimes provide access to Satan to get into their families. And we have to be willing to look at hard things. Um, dads are heroes when they pray unceasingly. And because they're praying unceasingly, they know when to apologize to their kids and wives. They know when to apologize. I was teaching at Big Bear High School, and our principal had done something that I really didn't like and he was in my classroom and in front of my class I said something to him that wasn't very kind and later on I thought after he had left that it wasn't the right thing for me as a Christian to say to him especially not in front of my class so I knew he was coming in to evaluate me a week later and I waited till then and when he came in I apologized to him in front of my whole class because I knew I needed to. You know what? If we're going to be heroes to our family, men, we have to learn how to apologize. Dads are heroes when they make time to not only pray with their kids, but play with their kids. And dads, you have to make time to play with your kids. And so, um, Joe, come on up. Uh, Joe's going to start us off. He's going to share with us something that he has learned from God 
And by the way, I had a chance to teach both of Joe's sons. Uh, one was in my classroom and once I got to coach. And they were both kids who love the Lord. And so I have a lot of, lot of respect for Joe. And um, the rest of you guys, if the Lord, if you know that the Lord wants you to come and share for a minute, uh, I guess, yeah. Um, uh, Mike, you're coming next. And after that, any of the rest of you guys, I lined up two guys ahead just to get you men rolling because I know sometimes you need a little encouragement. A little encouragement is not the proper word. <laughs> are, we, are we on, David? Okay. Yeah. I thought I was going to get up in my chair and say something and not have to come up here. But be encouraged. You're coming up here. So get your brave socks on and, and be up here. I think the, the most important thing that the Lord told me and, and instilled in me was love for my family. Um, especially for Brandon. He was my adopted son. Um, I know that some of you don't know that, but um, he was my grandson first, and then he was my son. And I earned the right to be called dad by him. And I believe that it was God's way of showing me that God adopts us and loves us. And it's really important that we understand how much God loves us through all of our sin, through all of our shortcomings, through all of our failures, God still loves us. He still accepts us. And sometimes we get really hard on ourselves and we become angry with our kids. We become angry with our wives and our family members. But God still loves us. And that's where we need to come back to him. And like Mickey said, apologize. You know, we need to repent of our sins, ask God for his forgiveness. And he still loves us. And that's the biggest and most important thing that uh, God has taught me. God truly does love me. Okay, Lord, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to sound a little redundant here, but I don't think I rea really realized the love of God until I had children. Um, he said we're made in his image and likeness. Well, I didn't even get it until, you know, I was growing and over the years I had to go through kids, you know, that just wasn't listening. <laughs> they were getting it. I had my desert time and that's how he found me or how I found him. But I didn't get it. And then I started to understand that when he says he never leaves us or forsakes us, that, that is so true because when we blow it, he's still there. His unconditional love is still there. And so, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to me and it's a parable to me that how, how he showed me his love for me through my love for my kids. You know, and it's just, it's just, yeah, we are made in his image and likeness, and we, you know, that it's just all true, and it just all fits, and it's beautiful. So, and the best play to please the Father, what is, what is the best way 
you want your kids to do to you? What do you, makes you feel best when they please you? And I think he feels the best when we please him. Okay, dads, who's next? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I have four kids, and they have taught me that when I do good, I feel good. And I want to teach them to do good and make them have everybody else that they know. They, they know they're good. They're good kids. They do good stuff. And that's all I try to impose on them is just do good, feel good. That's our mantra. I try to keep my kids happy. That's how it is. <laughs> Any other men? Doug Lane, I'm looking at you. <laughs> this is teacher wait time. I'm good at it. Okay, well, the thing that I want to end with is I want to... Um, share with some of you men. If you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, I, I just want to be a better dad. I, I looked up a few resources and I just want to share those with you. You know, there's, um, when I was growing up as a parent and I was just starting, I looked for people that I could look towards and um, learn from. And so James Dobson wrote the book, The Strong-Willed Child, and that was a really terrific book. And for me, uh, it was one that I really looked towards. But now, there's another book uh, that I like that's really a good book that you can download on, uh, online, and it's free, and it's called um, Why Being a Dad is a Big Deal. And you can just go online and download that. But other things that you can do, you can start listening to family talk, focus on the family, insight for living. And the biggest thing that I found for me as a dad is that I keep in relationship with other men. And really, I, I really encourage you men, if you don't have a group of three men that you're close to, that you could say, Here's my phone. You can check out my phone. You can look on my um, computer. You can check out anything you want. If we, guys, if we don't have account accountability to other men, I don't think we'll be as good a dads as we could be. Because it says in Scripture that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And when we're standing alone, uh, we're in danger. We're standing with Christ and two other friends. We're in a good place. So I really encourage you, if you don't have, if you're a man and you don't have three good friends that, or two good friends that you get together with, that you fellowship with, I really encourage you to do that uh, because I think all of us men need that accountability. Well, let's close in prayer. I want to pray for all of us guys, especially. Um, Lord, we thank you for the men who are here. We know that men who are sitting in this church are here because they're seeking after you or, Lord, their wife told them to come. I don't know which. Um, but most of them, Lord, I know are here because their hearts are seeking you.
And Lord, they just don't want to be good dads. Lord, they want to be heroes to their children. And I pray over all the men here, all of us, Lord, that you will humble us. Lord, that you'll give us hearts that are willing to apologize. Lord, that you'll give us hearts that are willing to ask for help, even ask directions when we're driving, Lord. Um, but I, I, I pray for all of us men. Lord, you put us as head of our households, and that's what we need to be. I pray that we could be what you were, and Lord, that we would love our wives just as you love the church. Lord, that that would be the greatest example to our sons and to our daughters, Lord. So, Lord, work in our hearts. Change us to be what you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.